Welcome to the Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And this is week eight of the pod and our special guest to talk about the new Premier League deal and his life. Uh, the always interesting, one of the biggest commentators in the country, but obviously in soccer. And that's Roger Bennett of Men in Blazers. comes the magic spray the theme ah, i love that that sounded good i'm excited to get raj on on the uh, pod here andrew yeah we'll talk to raj in a little bit we'll have that for you but first as we do each week who's up who's down who's up who's down john who do you have as who's up who's up dickie v are you kidding me are you serious that's a diaper dandy. He was in high school last year. Wow. Oh, how can you not love that passion? That was a call from 2017. It was Kansas's Josh Jackson, who's now with the Pistons. And that was uh, Vital calling him a diaper dandy. Well, Vital, he's 82. He's been with ESPN for 42 years. He's currently undergoing treatment for lymphoma. But this week, he returns to ESPN to call the Gonzaga-UCLA game, and I'm going to tune in. I love listening to Vital. I can't get enough of him and his excitement, even if I think he does, he likes Duke a little bit too much. But it's great to see him back. I know everyone hopes he's going to be around for a good long while. Welcome back, Dick. Yeah, well, let me just say on Dickie V, the passion is just unbelievable in Dickie V for life not only for basketball, but for life. Uh, he wants to uh, broadcast till he's 100 and Godspeed to him on his recovery and being back on the court uh, this week to, to call games. It's, uh, it's great to see. So, Andrew, who, who's up? Who's up for me? It's Matt Hasselback of ESPN's NFL Countdown. Now, the job of the analyst is not just hot takes. It's to tell us stuff before it happens. And a few re- weeks ago, I wrote about this, that he said before the Patriots went on this mini run that they're on now, now in first place in the AFC East, he said, watch the pay- Patriots on that show. Teddy Bruschi, the former Patriots, like, I'm not so sure. And Hasselback said, you can see it coming. And now it's kind of in vogue. People are like, the, the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. But Hasselback was before uh, the curve. I remember years and years ago, Boomer Esiason did the same thing. That, that was even better, quite honestly. Yeah, when Boomer did it, that was when the Patriots went on to their first Super Bowl title uh, back in 2002. And Boomer was way ahead of the curve. Hasselbeck, he is on the way up this week for having that really good opinion a few weeks ago. Let me take on the way down because I'm going to stay on ESPN countdown. So my on the way down or who's down uh, is Rex Ryan. Rex, a week or so ago, uh, just went after Robert Sala the Jets coach saying, uh, don't compare me and really making it personal with Sala. All right, fine. Rex can do that. That's kind of what Rex does. Then Sala and his brother went back a little bit at him. So they, the two of them, Rex Ryan and Robert Sala talked on the phone. And this week on countdown, Rex Ryan says, Robert Sala, the Jets, they have their man. I'm so impressed. So my problem with this is, look, your opinion should always evolve. In this show, I hope our opinions evolve. We get more information. We can change our opinion. We're not just stuck and we're only going to think this way. We want you to be surprised when you come to the program and, oh, I see something differently. Of course. So maybe a little kudos for doing that, Rex, but maybe do a little research before you make it so personal and and uh, 
I don't even know if anybody was making that comparison, Rex and Salah. I didn't hear it. And, and I'm here following it as closely as you can as, you know, I don't cover the Jets as a fan per se. Um, and I don't think people were saying that. Maybe a little bit you heard that, but not much. So on the way down, Rex Ryan. All right, John, who do you got? Who's down? I've got Andrew Marchand, of course. What? Once again, a big U.S. rights deal comes up. And once again, Amazon's nowhere to be seen, Andrew. None of the digital companies were that were there to get the Premier League. To- I'm looking at the rundown. Hold on. I am looking at the rundown. It did not say Andrew Marchand. It said Jeff Bezos, which I thought it's was be- All right. It's Bezos. It's Bezos. No, no. You can go with me. All right. Hold on. All right, Let's go back to our argument. We're, look, we're, look, we're trying look. to make these takes quick. You, this goes back to our argument that Amazon's not a you, – you say they're not a real big player. That doesn't Where mean – Where were they? Gonna... This is the biggest – you just put like, – you put your column – put the EPL as a major sport in America. Yeah. Wouldn't if, if they're going to be involved in sports, shouldn't they, be, they go after the biggest sport in America? Are they kick the tires? This is a company, Andrew. This is my who's down. So I'm going, this is right, a go company for it, go for it. that's worth more than $1 trillion. And it was outbid by Comcast, a company that Amazon could buy several times over. So my on the way down, I said it was you. It's really Jeff Bezos, but but it should be all of the leagues, all of the conferences that have been begging Amazon to step up in a big way to bid up their rights when this company just isn't doing it. Uh, well, w- one thing, and then we'll I'll let you have the finals. You know, comment. Peacock needed this. NBC needed this deal. I mean, you talk to a lot of other rival executives. They don't think it makes really financial sense that the numbers are not going to add up to the subs or the transmission free trans fees for NBC or, you know, cable fees or for USA. It doesn't all add up. So because Amazon does, it doesn't, they're not, that doesn't mean they're going to do every deal that I've said they're, they're one of the biggest stores for the next decade. They are just because they have the NFL. So beyond, and we'll, we'll talk later. They, they got Al Michaels. They're going to get Al Michaels. I mean, it's a, they're, they're a big deal. That said, that doesn't mean they have to do every deal. So again, I don't know. You can do Sinclair. Sinclair is, you gave Sinclair a week off from not being who's down on your uh, Chris, Next week, Chris Ripley's coming back. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Finish last comment on this one. Look, all I hear from you are excuses. If they wanted it, they had the deep pockets to get it. They decided to be fiscally sound. But as you said, when they went into the NFL, you have to overpay in order to, to first get in there. And they didn't do it. All right, John. Topic one. Sunday night football and what's going to happen in the future. Well, we get a little bit of a preview this Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, Mike Tirico and Drew Brees will be on the call for the Saints and the Bills. Uh, then on Sunday night uh, for Baltimore and Cleveland, it'll be Tirico and Collinsworth. Al Michaels off both days. I've reported 92% Al Michaels is going to Amazon. You're up from 90%. Last pot, it was 90%, Andrew. The meter keeps rising. Ah, interesting. Uh, I could probably go 100, but you know what? It's not, nothing's official. The deal between NBC and Amazon is not official yet. What's going to happen next year is Amazon's going to have the exclusive rights to Sunday Night Football. NBC's lead producer, Fred Gudeli, is going to do both Sunday Night Football and Thursday Night's exclusive coverage. Um, Al Michaels is close with Gadelli. I believe they're going to come as a package deal. And then the analyst is in question. That brings us to Sunday night. People kind of assuming that it's going to be Drew Brees uh, with Tariko next year. I don't think so. I think 
Uh, it will be Collinsworth next year, but Breeze is on the on-deck circle. And Thursday night is a big spot for him because, yes, he's done Notre Dame, but the nation will kind of be focused on Breeze as an analyst. Yeah, you know, NBC has been very strong about Chris Collinsworth. If Chris Collinsworth is not in the broadcast booth for Sunday Night Football next year, I'll, I'll be really surprised. But I do want to talk about uh, Drew Brees for a second. Do you think he's done now basically half a season? Is he ready for the the most watched primetime telecast 11 years running? I'm not sure if he is. I'm going to say he is. Now, some people have already, this is probably, some people are listening after Thursday, so they'll, they'll have an opinion maybe. I'll say this. I watched the whole, his whole first game, and then I watched another full game later in the season and caught bits and pieces of his no-tree game game. What I, I saw improvement. Um and more confidence uh, on the broadcast. Now, do I think he's fortunate that he he did not go right to Monday night or Sunday night football to start? Yes, because there has been growth. But I do hear a guy who you can tell is into it, who is taking teaching and coaching and trying to improve um, and is into the game. Uh, but again, do I feel like he's going to have a Romo effect and everyone's going to say how he's the greatest thing ever on Thursday night? I don't. But I do think you hear someone who can at least be competent, you know, not a Jason Witten type situation, nothing against Witten. He really wasn't as bad as maybe people thought he was, in, but he was in such a spotlight game on Monday night that it became um, a trending topic every week. But I think Breeze has shown the ability to potentially be a real number one at some point. Well, let's talk about Collinsworth for a second. He is in my mind, he's one of the top two analysts in, in, in the game right now. And having talked to people at NBC, it would it seem to be it would be his decision whether or not he wants to leave. Why? For years now, we've been re- reading about him wanting to leave. Why is that? Well, that Collinsworth wants to leave? Yeah. I, I don't know if he wants to leave. No, no, no. We've been reading that, that he has a foot outside of the booth. Oh, you mean like they might be pushing him out? You're yeah. Saying? Well, I, I think, look, I, I think when you when you add your breeze, they're obviously, this is NBC's MO. They they brought in Mike Tirico years and years ago. I think it was 2015. And the idea was he's replacing Bob Costas on the Olympics as the host and Al Michaels as the Sunday night uh, main play-by-player. And that, in fact, did happen. You bring in Drew Brees. If Brees knocks it out of the park, uh, I, don't, I think it'll happen quicker. I don't think Brees has done that yet. And so it kind of comes down to how good they think Drew Brees is. I do think these uh, networks want to get younger. They want to make sure they don't get in that Monday night football scenario that ESPN has gotten into where they really haven't been able to find the main booth where they feel like this is it. And we're going to, we got this for the next 10 years. Uh, And so I I think NBC, they're not going to say, Hey, we're going to replace Chris Collinsworth until they do. So I I think Brees, if he's good enough, I think they'll, they'll make a transition. You know, Collinsworth, he's not, He's only in his early 60s, so he could do it for a while more. And, you know, they do have Notre Dame. Breeze is on the pregame show. But I I do think uh, if I were Chris, I'd be looking a little over my shoulder, no matter what I'm told or you're told by NBC. He still has a couple more years on his contract, too. This is in your wheelhouse, so I'm going to defer to you. I just know that people at NBC, they love Collinsworth. Collinsworth works well with them. He comes across well on screen. I don't think, unless, unless Chris Collinsworth wants to leave, I don't see uh, NBC moving him out of the booth anytime soon. 
the big thing in all this, Al Michaels to Amazon, that's a huge thing. I mean, you, you know, you can keep acting like Amazon's not a big deal. They're going to have <laughs> Al Michaels as their play-by-play guy next year. It's going to be a total focus of the NFL media season uh, when Amazon has the exclusive rights to Thursday night. And with Al Michaels as the front man, uh, they'll have some credibility right off the, right off the jump. I'll give you this. Al Michaels is a big splash for, for Amazon's Thursday night football. Jared Stacy is putting together a really top-notch team. Who do you see them pairing out with? Yeah, I've written that, you know, Jared Stacy was the head of production there at Amazon. Uh, I think the, the people that I've written for months now are Troy Aikman, Breeze, and Collinsworth. And if you'd said, if I were to pick one who I think is the leading candidate, it's Aikman, just because I don't think Collinsworth's going to do double duty. I don't know if Amazon uh, wants to, even though Breeze isn't really associated with NBC yet, I'm not sure they want to do that um, as of yet. And I think Aikman um, likes the idea of doing Thursday and Sunday um, because he likes the idea of being paid for both those uh, for one part. I think he hasn't found it too much that of a helps. Yeah. Yeah, too, too hard uh, in terms of the, uh, the workload. So that's what I probably see right now, but there is a mystery candidate if one of the big time coaches were to, you know, suddenly retire after this season or a player comes out. Uh, but Al Michaels is only going to work with a certain tier of analysts. And so that makes the pool a little bit small. So why would Fox be okay with allowing Tory Aikman to go over to Amazon for a Thursday? I just think uh, financially it's good. If it's good for Troy and it doesn't impact what he does with them, I don't think they're going to have an issue with it. They certainly are looking to make a splash. All of the names that you brought up, they're big splashes. We'll see who retires, but I, it's uh, going to be some, something to look at for the next couple of months. All right, we move to topic two. Sunday ticket in my newsletter on Monday mornings, I wrote that a emerging dark horse is discovery warner media uh that combination that's merging together uh we saw the aggressive bid they made for the epl uh you look at it if they do not get involved with sunday ticket they're going to be boxed out of the nfl business for the next decade plus uh and they're in a race with amazon and espn plus and all these others in the sports a game. I still have ESPN Plus and Amazon as the favorites. You have to include Discovery slash Warner Media. John Orange, your take? Uh, my take is look at what they did with the NHL. They surprised everybody and came in and got the NHL. With the uh, Premier League, uh, they surprised everybody and put in a really, really competitive bid. I mean, they can't now bid with Discovery. They're waiting for federal regulations to, to approve that uh, to happen. But I think that I can actually see them as being a front runner in this for this reason. I, the NFL wants to increase the pie. ESPN already has an NFL relationship. Amazon already has an NFL relationship. They're trying to seed more companies to, to see what it's like to, to have the NFL. So you, that has Apple could be a, a possible destination. I, they have a sports division there, but they have no sports yet. Uh, uh, Warner Media, they have no NFL relationship yet. So that's something that I'm really uh, taking a look at. You and I both agree on DirecTV, at least on, on this round. I think Amazon has a really good shot at it. But yeah, I think that if the NFL follows what they've done before, they're going to try to get somebody that has no relationship with the NFL and try to get the Sunday ticket over there. All right, let's do two things here. Number one, 
I'm going to do the Francesa thing where you knew something before it happened, but actually I'm going to do it for you because I don't think you said it on the pod, but John did tell me a number before the EPL negotiations were concluded that he thought that uh, Warner Media slash Discovery was going to make a big bid. So you said surprise, but I don't think you were really surprised. Shots! So Shots! Listen, I knew that. <laughs> That's what you should be saying. If you were if you are a big time New York sports radio personality, you'd be like, I knew about that. I couldn't say anything. But he, John actually did say that. Uh, you mentioned Apple. Is Apple a real player? Yes or no? I don't know. I'm not looking for like a, is, are they real players or not in your opinion? Because mama, uh, no. Uh, well, let me define that question. Are they real players for Sunday ticket? Yeah. I'm going to say yes. Really? So you think Sunday they, ticket. They have, they have Jim DiLorenzo overseeing a sports department. At some point, they're going to have to try to get sports. Will, will the NFL want to uh, have them sort of test on them? Probably not. Uh, do I think they're likely to get Sunday ticket? No, they would be below all those other companies. But uh, are they, are they, would they be kicking the tires? Yeah, I totally can see that happening. Okay. And you also said we agreed on DirecTV. As people know who listen to this podcast, I do not like to agree with you on anything. So mm-hmm. what do you mean by we agree on DirecTV? I think I know what you mean, but what do you, what do you define that for me, please? We both feel that DirecTV is going to renew with the NFL, at least for this a, a bit of um, Sunday ticket. It's existential to direct TV to keep Sunday ticket. I mean, it could, can you imagine how many subscribers they would lose if, if they were just to, to give it up? So I, I see them staying for one more round uh, and I think you do as well. Yeah, and I think also a big part of that is also the bars and restaurants. You know, could Amazon ESPN Plus, you know, figure out how to get into those bars and restaurants and make it work? Maybe, but it already works with the satellite TV. So that so that's uh, where I think that they stay in for both sides. Yeah, that's, NFL, a, that's Andrew, that's a long and expensive process to do that. Exactly. And then is it even worth it for any of the parties involved, the digital parties or the NFL to, to really take on that potential headache? Last thing before we move on to our guest, Roger Bennett of Men in Blazers. Uh, you think that Discovery slash Warner Media is the favorite? Because if so, then I'm really proud of my newsletter. You know, uh, I, I, I know it sounded like I said that, but no. Okay. I, here's what I can't figure out is- Rewind. <laughs> we agree again. Bob Chapek has been, and, and all the ESPN executives have been very open that they want this package. You rarely see that. I mean, they want the package. They're going to make a big play to try to get the package. If they don't get the package, it's egg on Bob Chapek's face, right? He's been out there publicly saying that he wants it. So I, I, would, I would give ESPN- the uh, the nod uh, and then your guys Amazon I think that they they are really moving <laughs> to do something. So you think Jeff, listen, you have the head of Disney can't have egg on his face. You think Jeff Bezos wanted? He can have egg on his face. Uh, look, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, all I know is the NFL is going to get richer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the easiest prediction to make. Absolutely. Joining us now on The Big Get is Roger Bennett. And anybody who knows soccer uh, knows Roger Bennett. He's one of the preeminent sports analysts in our country, but really obviously on soccer is what he is known for. Uh, England-born, now an American citizen. Roger, we've had Jimmy Bataro, ESPN chairman on this podcast, Shaquille O'Neal, Bob Costas. But I got to tell you something, my kids, they were most impressed with Roger Bennett. I'm also, you know, a slightly an overblown introduction, but for me to be with the two of you who have in such a short time just enshrined themselves as the Tom Brady 
and Rob Gronkowski of American Sports Media Analyst Euros. The honor is all mine. I'm Brady. I'm Brady. You you can be Brady. I don't like Brady. I'll be Gronk. hundred times out of hundred. Can I ask a question? How has it been becoming uh, podcast duo sensations? Like you've gone through the looking glass doing this. As you know, you are now you are media analysts, but you become media superstars. How long before you're both just writing articles about yourself? Well, I, I feel like I'm going to write about Marchand soon enough, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm doing a long form on myself. It's really expose. going well. An expose. <laughs> yeah, expose, exactly. That's our Instagram feeds. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to have my, my salary. I just got it. I'm going to break that story. <laughs> my salary. People love numbers. They love the money stories. I'm going to do a whole story about that. Exclusive. Yeah, the post is learned. Uh, <laughs> so that will be good. All right. The big news. Your company, one of your companies, you have a million companies. Uh, you, you, you make it sound like I own them. Uh, yeah, you work for him. You might as well. You're a big star. Listen. When you were sitting with Brian Roberts, yes. go ahead. Go ahead. I said make it say yes. When you gave them the envelope. All right. Your takeaways. I reported $2.76 billion for six years. Is this um, your salary or are we talking about the it's my salary. Which conversation we're on here? Yeah. <laughs> I make, let everyone write that $2.76 billion. I will not deny. That was well, billion, not million. No, billion. Uh, I will not deny it except when uh, the IRS comes after me. Uh, <laughs> so the Rogers, it, listen, it's a huge deal. Two points, you know, $2.7 billion for six years for the Premier League, uh, Comcast, NBC, Peacock, the whole thing. What's your, what's your takeaway? What, 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 when I say those numbers and that length of contract for uh, English football in America, what, what, is, what does this say about the sport and where we are? It's a joy. I'm a boy from Liverpool who came to America um, in the early 1990s, right before the World Cup, 1994 World Cup, which was meant to put the sport over the top uh, in this nation and, and turn us into you know, football-crazed human beings. It was meant to be an overnight success. Constantly, we joke on Men in Blazers that we cover soccer, America's sport of the future, as it has been since 1972. And you look at those numbers and, you know, from a network that, uh, partnered with the NHL for a long time, but clearly prioritized Premier League football uh, over um, the, the, another major league or supposed major league um, American sport. And uh, like my first response when the news broke was six more years. I felt like I was hearing Steve Kornacki called Georgia, Michigan and Pennsylvania for Rebecca Lowe. Like I was ecstatic for many reasons we can get into because, you know, Part of this is about the money. Part of this is um, a testament to the partnership and the perceived partnership from both sides. Uh, what the NBC brings to the Premier League, what the Premier League brings to NBC. Um, but I was also just delighted because the what NBC have done um, for the game in this country since they started uh, with these rights has been deeply, deeply transformative. So relief and joy as both a fan and someone that covers the game in America. Raj, you sound British. You are British, but you're a big Bears fan, Refrigerator Perry. Oh. You love the hometown caps down here. I think you're a, a Closet Wizards fan as well. Bullets. You, you know American sports. Is soccer a major sport in America? The Premier League um, is undoubtedly in demo. Um, a important part, a critical part 
um, of the American media landscape. NBC certainly uh, believes so. You know, they have the they have Sunday night football. Um, they have the Kentucky Derby. You know, they have a portfolio of elite sporting uh, franchises, and I think the Premier League fits in. Um, beautifully and critically for them as uh, as they think about the peacock strategy look i mean the future of of sports broadcasting is about uh, the streamers and what the premier league can deliver is a in demo young audience uh, who are deeply deeply committed the days of broadcasting are outside of the nfl uh, largely over and it's about identifying audiences that are truly madly deeply passionately connected to the sport and and the premier league is is most definitely one of them uh, nbc had uh, the nhl and they um, what's remarkable is there's a moment in american sports broadcasting where the premier league um has been seen as 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 delivering more as as more of a priority um, and I think it's it's a remarkable moment. I came here in the early 90s where um, football just could not be found. I adore America, as your question hints. I, I live for it. It's the greatest honor of my life to become American. But when I came here, you know, if there was a big game in England, I had to phone my dad um, and have him hold the phone against the radio broadcast in England, you had 734 bloody cable channels. Not one of them showed English football. And we've come so far so fast. Uh, and what NBC have done has transformed the way the game is broadcast. I think that's really crucial. I, we lived through 2006. I remember watching the, the World Cup uh, on ESPN. I chose to dedicate a huge part of my life to broadcasting football when I heard the American broadcaster of the World Cup say, and the world's most famous footballer, Charlie Beckham, takes the field. I was like, oh my God, we can do better. We can do better. I started to write about how we can do better. And I remember a lot of American sports fans being, one, one in particular stays with me, being like, listen, if baseball fans have to suffer through Joe Morgan, um, football, soccer fans can suffer through the, the kind of crap that's been doled out. But what NBC did, was really transformed the way the game's contextualized. Americans don't need to be talked down to. They don't need to be pandered. They truly do understand and love the game. I remember Fox once broadcast quite recently uh, the Champions League final, and to try and cross over, they shot with their uh, NFL team. I think about touchdowns are worth seven points, but goals are worth only one. And it was like as if aliens had landed and we were explaining um, the game to them. Americans don't need that, but they do need contextualization. Uh, Rebecca Lowe does it so brilliantly. You know, we still get in our mailbag, a very active mailbag, a question uh, like, what part of London is Newcastle in? And it's, um, it's those kinds of recontextualizations, advantaging the viewer in deeply, deeply intelligent ways that, that NBC uh, have done in their coverage, which is serious, deeply, deeply researched, deeply informed. I think ultimately, obviously, the Premier League made their decision for many, many reasons. But to keep partnering with that quality uh, of product was a major part of it. Yeah, the problem, Roger, with Chuck Beckham was he didn't uh, he didn't bend the ball very well. That was the problem with <laughs> yeah. For those of you, for our non-soccer listeners, obviously, David Beckham is the uh, player that the announcer that Roger. 
I yeah. love yours though. You're describing Chuck Beckham as if he exists like the Roger Clinton of the Beckham brothers. I love that. <laughs> I know he doesn't exist. I know, but it's like Chuck Beckham. He's like, he was yeah. like a cross between Barkley and Beckham. Could have been the greatest commentator of all time. Oh god. Like, and also the, another quick fact outspoken. check here. Another quick fact check. Newcastle is in north, north, north London. So yeah, very, it's north of the wall uh, for Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, uh, but it is. It's a um, ultimately, and you guys will understand this from a broadcasting perspective. Um, NBC were the first to set the field where you know. Um, just they understood the truths Americans need to know, which are mostly not about football. The American knowledge base does run so deep, the passionate uh, insight the, the, of this audience here. Um, but just the, the the tweaks about English culture, English history, uh, the past of the game. There is a, a void in even in the, the diehards. They didn't see English football in the 1980s, the hooligan days, the 1990s contextualizing that backstory which if you exposed the american football fan to just the pure british television there's a lot of givens um that that, that won't allow the audience to follow along the way nbc do that dance has been really a thing that's transformed the broadcasting of the game in this nation raj i, uh, I want to switch leagues on you uh, do you have an mls team um, do I own an MLS team? I am one of the few. I'm one of the few Americans not to own an MLS team. Um, I've, I've be quite candid, but now I found out what uh, Marshand is paid. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with him, uh, you know, and we'll change Ch- that. Charles Beckham is trying to get a team. Yeah, here. Charles. You know what? I think Charles Beckham has a couple. Uh, I, are you asking me if I support an MLS team? I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm a serious, objective journalist. I don't root for. <laughs> I don't, the only teams I root for are the U.S. women's national team, the U.S. men's national team, and just by ch- quirk of fate, um, Everton Football Club, who are like the Chicago Bears uh, of the English Premier League. Just no. sa- savage, just utterly, it's just always exciting to be utterly disappointed over and over and over. The Tracy, Rod, Ch- the, the, Tracy the, Chapman. Wait, of, right, of yeah, wait, wait, you think they're the Chicago Bears? Come on, the Bears it's have been good. Yeah, so with Everton. When the Bears last won the Super League, uh, Super Bowl, Everton won the bloody league. It oh, was they just, did, 86? Yeah, I, lo- I did not know how good I had it. And it's all been wondrously almost uh, downhill ever since then. I wouldn't want it any other way. But enough about me. You're asking me, you're trying to pivot like a professional, John Oran. <laughs> you ask me about the future of MLS. So let me yes. let you get back there. Go on. Go, you stole the next question. Should MLS feel good? bad and different right now wow that's a that is a so mls for those of you listening is the american domestic league uh which is a uh, you know i've had i remember having arguments with espn about four fifty twelve years ago um i had an argument with a, a wonderful really wonderful espn television executive who was like the future of american soccer viewing taste is mls i was like no it's not americans love the best Roger, they, can they, I can I interrupt you for a second? Yes, yeah, sure. That sounded like a John Skipper imitation to me. You know what? It wasn't. It, I will be candid. This was not a Skipper. This is one of this is one of Skipper's then lieutenants who had like inherited the 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 soccer bug because Skipper, you know, at the time was running it and loved, 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 and was very bullish on the football. It was not Skipper. But I was in his office. I was like, Americans love the best. They'll gravitate to the best. The best is the, is the Premier League. The best can change. It's changed in my lifetime. It was the Italian League when, when I grew up. English football was just a, a backwater. The tectonic plates underneath global football can change, and they do change, and you can hear them 
squeaking a little bit. Um, but MLS is is most certainly not the best. Um, and the, the ESPN exec made the case. He's like, you know, when um, a kid in Houston is going to wear a jersey, what's he going to wear? A Real Madrid jersey or a Houston Dynamo jersey? I was like, what? Are you really asking me that question? And uh, he answers, he's like, a Dynamo jersey. And, I, and I, I, the reality is there's something fascinating about the Premier League. It's on in, day, it's on in daytime. It's on, it doesn't compete with any of your, your, uh, the, the American firmament of sports, which offers soccer very little breathing space in prime time. Um, so the Premier League almost sneaks in. We, a lot of people laugh and call it the equivalent of, of Saturday morning cartoons, but for, for, for adults, you know, you, you can uh, also, I've always joked that if you go to a bar, start drinking on a Saturday at 7.30 a.m., um, you, you deem to have a social problem. But if you're in that same bar with that same Budweiser um, and there's a television above your head playing Chelsea versus Leicester, you're a football fan. And we should never uh, over-exaggerate the extent that Americans love to have a, a legit excuse to daytime drink. But MLS is not in that early uh, slot. It's, it's going up against college football. It's going up against the NFL juggernaut, NBA very little bandwidth in there. And the quality um, of the game is, is it, let's just say it's not elite right now. It's growing and developing. It's not elite. Um, and so I almost see it. And I'd, I'd love to know for you what its strength is. It has so much content to offer streamers. Like I know that's a muscle that, that streamers love. And I think that's the, the content play that it's really um, banking on. But it's almost like saying MLB, is doing this? How should we feel as the owner of the Portucket Red Sox or or the Portland Sea Dogs? You know, it's a very different um, operational reality. So I I, I think that um, the the theory that the rising tide lifts all boats of football doesn't work. And I I fear you. Sp I speak to the 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 uh, Bundesliga, the German league, the people who run that. I, I speak to the Spanish league, the people that run that, they fear, this is what I can say, they fear their esteemed, deeply, um, deeply enshrined leagues being eaten alive in their own market and eroded over time by this massive, massive juggernaut, global powerhouse Premier League. And I think ultimately um, MLS uh, will, will see this as, as an incredible threat um the success of the Premier League you, it is possible in football to be eaten alive in your own um in your own backyard the muscle of the Premier League globally is just that big I, I wrote this the other day you know when I was saying with the NBC deal soccer if it hadn't already arrived as the fifth major sport or fourth whatever you want to put it it's it's, it's arrived it's official we don't need to discuss it anymore I couldn't care about it beforehand. it's amazing it's amazing yeah, it's not but it's still the domestic league for us to get there as a domestic league. We need to get Messi and Ronaldo in their prime, not as a retirement league. They probably need to stop um, expanding so much, but do you, again, for someone who understands the global game, do you see and understands the MLS? Are we going to get there? Can after the 26 world cup, can we compete for whoever the Messi is of that time? Or is just the structure that they've created is just going to make these franchises worth a lot of money. The experience in the arena is great, but the actual TV sport is never going to, or at least in the next 20 years, is not going to get there. 
you are asking I, by the way i love the part of this podcast where you say soccer is now a you know you've enshrined it as one of the great american sports so i, I yes. do not take that for granted i adore that that's an amazing moment that fills i love america i love soccer my boy from liverpool soccer football was a way with music that we we explained ourselves to the world and it was dark when i got here this soccer was just not part of i mean it was despised uh if i'm being honest in 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 many realms and the fact that you've just said that i just want to note i do not take that for granted hey, but i'm um, going to push back it, and say it's not actually soccer it's the premier league yeah yeah i'd agree and to be honest, what we, you said we, earlier yeah we have a world cup coming here in 2026 the last world cup was meant to uh, put football over the top. It was, you know, America was this barren wasteland, spit, the final frontier like space was for, for Captain Kirk. And FIFA thought that overnight, like I'm looking at a beer tankard from the 1994 World Cup on my desk. Um, all these tchotchkes that came out that were meant to like make soccer uh, happen. Um, it didn't overnight. It has been a slow and steady growth. Um, and so there's a couple of dynamics and I may be telling you more than you want to, to know, in which case cut me off, but it's more complicated than just Premier League growing, MLS growing, but at a different pace. What's happened in the past five years is young American talent, 16, 17, 18 year old, who've always been day class A in Europe. If you had the Argentinian player, Brazilian player, an American of the same talent, you'd, and you were a club, you'd never sign the American. They were always perceived to be lesser, they have shattered that stigma. Christian Pulisic shattered that stigma. Uh, there's, a, there's a wave of young American talents who are now thriving in the biggest clubs in Europe. We used to marvel when we had the young American player playing against Barcelona, Juventus, or Chelsea. Now we have players starting for all of those teams who play for the American men's team. And that's a phenomenal moment. So you also have a you also have a talent drain from MLS. Last World Cup, we qualified 2014. MLS was overpaying to get the American stars, Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley. Uh, Tim Howard eventually came back right after the World Cup. Josie Altador came back before the World Cup. They were overpaying to bring this talent home. Now you have, there's a natural order to football. Apex predators buy the best players from clubs at the B level, the C level. These young American players are being hoovered out of the United States for the first time in my lifetime. Secondly, American sports entrepreneurs. I mean, this is an amazing story also that we take for granted, but it is amazing. A, th a third of the Premier League teams have American owners. You know, American money is now not just investing in MLS, but my God, you look at Manchester United, you look at Liverpool Football Club, you look at Arsenal. I'm not sure Stan Kroenke knows that he, that he owns Arsenal. It may just be a, a rounding error for the Kroenke empire, but my God, he owns Arsenal Football Club. American sports entrepreneurs are heavily, heavily staking bets um, on the Premier League. So American involvement, in football, global football is 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 ha on the men's side is happening massively in a way that it wasn't even a decade ago. Uh, the MLS question, I, I I have to be bullish is the short answer. The World Cup in 2026 coming here, the amount of brand money that's going to be pouring in, the amount of um, uh, of marketing that will 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 just absolutely. Um, it, I think the 2026 World Cup will do what they hoped. The 1994 World Cup would uh, would do it. It didn't then. Uh, it's been a slow and steady race, but 2026 is going to be the biggest skateboard, uh, skate park kickboard uh, for the sport that's ever been created, and it's going to be magnificent.
All right, Roger, let's get a little personal, get into a little bit more about you, right? Thanksgiving, right? Your wife, Vanessa Kroll, her brother is Nick Kroll. Are you guys at the dinner table you're eating your turkey you have your mashed potatoes you got the whole thing is just competing joke after joke what's that like give us a little my uh, wife my wife's very funny is that what you're okay. asking yeah well, your hilarious. wife i'm sure is hilarious right yes, but i just know my, nick my, but vanessa my, i'm sure is hilarious going right to nick so so i um i love you um i understand what you're asking here's the reality is that this thanksgiving and i don't want to get too uh, emotional on your podcast i am actually leaving to take my family to England for the first time since COVID oh, wow. uh, began. I'm actually going to see my parents, my beautiful parents, um, for the first time in two years. And, um, and so there will, be, there will be a Thanksgiving table, but it will be in Liverpool, England. And, um, and just the thought of it, I mean, I, so many families have, have been separated um during covid i was last home on a shoot um i went to anfield and goodison park and filmed there and i actually filmed with my dad we took a ferry on the river mersey and and took um and, and taped a uh, a piece about the history of liverpool uh, i had no idea as the rest of the world did that i would that would be the last time i would see them but on this thursday i will be not in america um raising a uh, a turkey leg with my American family, but with my British family, and I, I, I cannot wait. Wow, that's great. That's a that's a, such a segue to the question I wanted to ask you. Um, fantastic book. Roger Bennett wrote a book called Reborn in the USA. I'm predisposed to liking this book because I love America. I lived in Britain when Casey Keller was the only American. Lesser city with the Walker's crisp on the uh, uh, on on the shirt. And it's a, it's a coming of age story. And what, what, I, what struck me about this book, fantastic for Christmas, by the way, I'm totally serious, is you, know, you, you talk, you, you're brutally honest about when you were a real pill to your parents and you started to get some, <laughs> get, get some uh, bad influences and you started to go off the straight and narrow. Why did you write that? Why did I write a memoir? I, re I wrote a memoir, Sports Shutdown, John, um, during COVID. Um, my whole life is built around, around sports, not just football, soccer, but you know, I adore American sports. I, 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 the Chicago Bears, uh, the White Sox, as you hit, the, uh, the Bullets, uh, the Wizards, the, the Caps, um, all of it shut down. Nature abhors a vacuum. It was a terrible... Um, time for the world, for this nation. I love America. I, I absolutely adore it. America. The, if, if you've seen movies about the north of England in the 1980s, the miners strike, um, dance Billy, dance Billy Elliot. Um, and he had ballet dancing to help him survive. I, I, I didn't have those mad skills. And what helped me survive in Liverpool, deep unemployment, political ostracization, a heroin epidemic, very little hope when I was growing up was... You know, America, American television shows, books, movies, um, and the sports, which just seemed larger than life, lived in color, filled with joy and hope, where we didn't have uh, very much of either of those. And so uh, it's the idea that I built my life around, just the, the, the joy of America. Uh, so to live here, I grew up with the Statue of Liberty um, and the Manhattan skyline crudely painted on my bedroom wall and ended up moving here. Um, and then to have lived that dream and then just 
experienced the COVID nightmare, the Black Lives Matter summer, the toxicity um, of the last election cycle, the idea which I've organized my life around, the child's idea of America and the reality, two very different things, obviously. And I just wanted to retrace my steps of how that idea was forged in my reality through the layers of culture, the, you know, the Beastie Boys albums, the Chicago Bears Super Bowl winning season, the release of, of Tracy Chapman's debut album, which I have here on cassette in my hand as we speak, um, and to excavate it almost like in a, in a kid's fairy tale, retracing the breadcrumbs uh, to understand the difference between that idea and that reality. That's why I wrote the book really to stay sane during COVID when sports stopped to fill my time, but also to explore those themes and the response to it. Um, all I can say is it's been one of the most, it's a very personal book as your question hints, John, the response to it has been just immensely humbling um, to have America. I also think Americans love what new Americans love about America. And it's something that we really, we need to, it's a time of challenge. It's a time of occasional chaos and I think we all need to tap into, especially Thanksgiving is a great time for it, to tap into some of that love um, in this moment also. I'm not kidding. The epilogue uh, brought a tear to my eye because that's when, that's when you sort of wrapped everything all together. Uh, but you mentioned Tracy Chapman. You mentioned uh, the, the bears. You didn't mention the roast beef sandwich. The Arby's uh, roast beef sandwich that I thought was like... <laughs> was if I, when if was the last I, time you had one, Raj? That's very, God, I, I, if I was awarding the Michelin stars as a 15-year-old, the question is how many would I have awarded that first Arby's I walked into? Um, when did I last have an Arby's sandwich is a great question. I can say right now I'm looking at when, when I wrote about Arby's, it, the Wall Street Journal did an extract from the book where I really, again, sang Arby's praises. When I first bit into an, an Arby's sandwich when I was 15 in the northern suburbs of Chicago, shout out to Nutria High School, um, it did taste of democracy and freedom, and I was ready to eat my fill. Arby sent me a very generous, a beautiful note writing about how much, obviously, my book moved them. And they sent me a gift card um, for Arby's, which I'm now looking at. It's been on the corner of my desk for about four months, and I have not yet used it. But, John, when I next see you, when I come down to D.C. To D.C., on yes, me, on yes, me, absolutely. Uh, we, will, we, uh, we will imbibe together. Be amazing. Well, Roger, listen, first off, um, have a very safe trip to England. And that sounds amazing uh, and very happy for you and your family Thank that you, you uh, get to see your uh, parents again for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, that is, you know, I know it was like for me after a year not seeing my parents there, uh, you know, being, been a, not being able to see them. So that's very special. And we really do appreciate uh, you joining us. I didn't know there's gonna be tears. I actually thought we were gonna laugh. We did laugh a lot, but I didn't know there were gonna be tears. I guess that's like a perfect podcast guest. There's tears, there's laughter, the whole thing. And uh, the tears only came out when I said the word six more years of Rebecca, like just to be uh, <laughs> everything else. I was unbelievably uh, critically acclaimed. People really do like that. I've, I've read things that people seem to really like Rebecca Love. And I actually think uh, she does a very good job. But there, there are some out there who really, really like there, there are some out there. Can I just say about Rebecca Lay? What she does is, and it's what deeply, deeply intelligent human beings can do. They can take something unbelievably complex, rewrap it so it sounds simple and accessible. But the people who really know the subject matter realize just how deftly she's consistently doing that. And I, as someone that watches so much bloody football here and in England where, you know, there's a hundred 
human beings who are in her role, what she does and what she's done for the game um, in this nation. I cannot, uh, I cannot speak highly of enough. But, by the way, most of it is very, I mean, her brain is super sharp, uh, but uh, also working with her, you see how bloody hard she works and to, she's never uh, sat back and coasted. And, um, and the reality is that all of us, all of us want to grow the game in America. It needs that kind of hard work to, uh, to take it next level, never take it for granted. It's lovely to celebrate this, this re- incredible moment for the game in this nation with both of you blokes. And let's tell the people what they really want to hear, Marsh, and just c- catch them up on your own football career. Tell us, there's been a milestone this week. <laughs> oh, I did. Listen, we have some outtakes here. Last <laughs> Thursday, the Premier League deal came down, but the big news was yes. against the defending champs in my co-ed league, I got on the board for the first time with a goal and a two nothing win for do it for Alex. One of our players is out with a knee Describe injury. the goal. Just a goal. Yeah. What do you want me to say? It was a goal. It was a tap in. It was a good run. A little tap in, uh, you know, like kind of one of those Ronaldo, you know, cheap goals. And I, I'll take it though. These guys the, are all in their twenties. The best players, the best players in the world make it seem like the ball comes to them. And I didn't see the goal, but I will say <laughs> just the joy. Just I will the, send you the video. Just the, jo- video. just the joy it brings to you is ultimately, and this is what I truly say, I say to all of our men in blazers, listeners, all of the people who are in, reveling in the growth of football across this nation, the joy that's on your face. Ultimately, that is what is important about sports and about football in particular is about uh, experiencing that kind of joy in the moment and making memories with your team in this case but yeah making I think particularly the Premier League fans in America who have come through the past 10 years of growth we all take a joy in it and and that joy is about an awareness that we were a small group uh, 15 years ago it's now a surging fan base and all of us are consciously making memories together with our kids with our grandparents with our friends along the way and it's that's truly what's magnificent about sport so godspeed to you have a great thanksgiving to to both of you uh, and your listeners and 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 thanks for having me on guys hey raj thanks for coming on thrilled and gooners gooners <laughs> john has for those listening john has the jersey out God love go. you, John Oran, the king of pain. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a ton, man. Really, Sorry. really appreciate that. Anytime. It's lovely to be with you to your success. By the way, the joy you both get out of this is also hilariously wonderful. It's what's really important. Have a good one, guys. <laughs> be safe. Carry right, Thank Peace, you, man. Take well. care. All right. Roger Bennett. He was tremendous. I didn't know we were going to tear up, um, but he had really that very touching, especially uh, with uh, going back to England uh, to see his family for the first time in a couple of years because of the pandemic. John, let's get to the business side of it. What was your biggest takeaway? I'm such a fan of his. I thought he was so good, but I was so interested in both you and him talking about soccer or EPL being one of the major sports. You went major sports to five. I'm going to say there are three major sports in America, college and pro football, college and pro, pro basketball and baseball. And everything else is sort of sp- sporadically relevant. And I think that the EPL, certainly it's competing now with the NHL. I mean, that, so, so if you consider the NHL to be major, if you want to expand it to five or six, absolutely it's up there. But there, no EPL game in history on television has gotten more than 2 million viewers. And at some point that, that has to matter. Yeah, we went into this podcast thinking you're going to be the nice guy and I was going to be the tough guy. I know, you're, I, you're agreeing with everyone. 
No, well, no, yeah, I'm just a nice guy. I'd say five. I'd say there's five majors. You have to say there's three. Insult the NHL. You get calls from Gary Bettman from everybody, <laughs> and you got to insult soccer. You got to. I mean, I think you're. I think college basketball, I think you have it a little bit too high at this point. I mean, yes, the tournament's there, but it's kind of... I, I, I lumped I lumped basketball and football together. Fine. Okay. Look, it's one of those arguments like LeBron versus Jordan. We could argue forever. doesn't really matter. Everyone could have their opinion. Uh, but I do think when you talk about $2.76 billion over six years, that's a major sport. So uh, I don't think you can really you know disagree with that. All right. We finish up every week with our calls of the week. Call of the week. Uh, John, what do you got? All right. My hometown, Washington, D.C. We claimed another title, Andrew. Let's hear Jen Hildreth's call of the Washington Spirits game-winning goal on CBS. Rodman, absolutely on fire. First stretch there in the second half. Looking to light it up again. The header! Washington takes the lead! Andrew, we're the District of Champions. We have the Caps winning the Stanley Cup in 2018, the Nats and the Mystics winning titles in 2019. Now the Spirit taking on the NWSL title on broadcast television, the District of Champions. I love it. I do. Congrats to you. Congrats to the Spirit. And interesting, um, President Biden even gave him a shout out on Twitter, uh, which was that's a big deal for the NWSL. Well, the NWSL, such problems this season. Uh, they lost their commissioner. There's uh, uh, some allegations of, of abuse. The spirit in particular, the NW, the league had to step in, ban the coach in, in midseason. Players publicly called for the owner to sell. They had to uh, forfeit some games in the middle of the season. So this, for that team, they, they over to say they overcame adversity is a cliche. They overcame some adversity. Uh, I thought the result was great. First time a broadcast network has ever carried the, that, that league's championship game. And congrats to the Washington Spirit. My call of the week, I go to Fox this year, this week. They get my call of the week. They had the Carolina game in which Cam Newton had his first home game back with the Panthers. And they did a tremendous job. Uh, Mark Teitelman was the producer on it. And what they did well was, the story was Cam Newton's first game back they put a camera right behind Cam when he when he entered uh, the field, and they just let it play. This is what it sounded like. You, you got to see it as well. But this is what it sounded like. Cam Newton about to be introduced to this crowd in Carolina. Here we go. And so, so what's good about that is that too many times um, ESPN Monday Night Football, they try to make stories around other things. And this, this storyline, when the storyline is obvious and it's right in front of you, just tell it well. That's all you need to do. And actually, even every week, there's not always a Cam Newton returns to his, um, you know, where he's the number one pick story. But there's always like an easy story to tell. And sometimes just take that easy story and that's what Fox did there. They told it simply and they just mapped it out well. And so they get my call of the week. That's hard because you really have to see it too. I was watching it. It was the game that we got here in DC. 
because it involved the Washington football team. It really was impactful. Uh, even the audio was good. That was that. That's a good. That was a good pick. All right. So that does it. First off, John, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and to uh, to everyone listening. Yeah. Hey, thanks for uh, staying till the end and listening, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. <laughs>